Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the SantaCast. Um, we had a funny um, tweet in Glynn last night um, from a guy <laughs> called Richard um, Sumner. Yeah. And he said um, we should do a Ricketts-style podcast today. Okay. So basically we would say nothing for the first 60 minutes. Um, <laughs> and then, then we'd take you off for a like-for-like substitution, even though you haven't had a shot or said anything. <laughs> um, and then for those who complain about the pod, we would just say, well, the pod's been crap anyway. So that's what you should expect. Yeah, this this podcast has never never achieved anything more than it is now, so we should be content, really, Ollie. You're looking at Ricketts' comments at the end of the game last week. Yeah, quite quite interesting. It was quite funny when we read that last. That wasn't it, Ollie? And um, I think it, it reflected a, a negative viewpoint that I felt after these two games this week, Ollie. Yeah, no, definitely. So, <laughs> so like, so how you how you feeling? Ugh. How you feeling today? And what's the approach we're taking today? How am I feeling today? Do you know what? I'm feeling like a pocket, Ollie, this week. Ten pound wasted on I follow Tuesday night, or Wednesday night, because it got moved, and then a bloody load of money wasted going on Rochdale yesterday for very little, by the way, of goalmouth action or goals. So, yeah, a bit, bit down in the mouth about it. And really, you know, we, we, you're recording this early, aren't we, Ollie? Because it's one of those weeks where it's, it's kind of miffed us so much. We wanted to kind of purge it from our system, didn't we? So we're recording this early on Sunday afternoon, so we should, we should be getting this out a bit earlier than usual. But this is going to be a podcast based just looking at the league, league form, two league games and quite what the hell has gone on over the last seven league games where we've just dropped away from everything. And I think that's fair, Ollie, because the last few weeks we've been really positive about the cut run and all those good results we've had there. But really, we've, we do need a week looking at the bread and butter because there's some concerning things going on. Yeah, no, definitely. As we <laughs> said when we first started, and our first bio on Twitter was following the highs and lows of Shrewsbury yeah. Town. <laughs> and we're certainly doing that. And for me, this is, this is a low podcast, a very bit of a low point. Um, we've obviously not winning in 2020 in the league and mm. seven games and um, without a win. It's definitely a roller coaster sport in this football club, and and it is it is easy. You know, I've, I've seen. We should just talk about this. Really, we've got a summary later on, but you know, there's a lot of reaction to these two league games from fans, and um, a lot of people really, you know, being quite angry, and I'm quite angry about certain things that are going on because I just feel like we're wasting a really good opportunity. But um, yeah, we'll try and bring a little bit of balance to it as well. Really, I think that's only yeah. fair. Yeah, and we're trying to give the context around why we feel like we do. Mm, um, so yeah. yeah, if anyone's listening, um, they can understand why some things have just been quite daft comments, <laughs> let's say it, put it that way. But we'll get to that, Glenn. Plenty of things to get through. I think it's worth just saying <sighs> that um, there's been so much fun correspondence, uh, particularly on Twitter this week. I think yeah, if it wasn't good. for Twitter um, during the Gillingham games, I would have had to have watched more of the game. Um, <laughs> so that was a, that was thankful. Um, but also, so many good comments, so many good questions, so many good kind of ideas and stuff that I feel that we're going to kind of, you know, there's going to be so much we're not going to be able to cover because the pod would be probably five hours. So mm. just a big thank you for everyone. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, and the, the discussion and, and the kind of the banter on the Twitter is, is definitely um, reaching some new peaks. That's good. It's good. It, it is. I think um, particularly when you get those I follow nights, Ollie. Where let's be honest, whatever it was, hundred, two hundred went to Gillingham, and, and most huge town fans of our of our hardcore are, are at home either listening to it on the radio or, or watching it on I follow now, which is which has been really good to be fair, and it's, it's saving people spending a lot of money going to watch us lose and time. Tuna. Yeah, and time. Um, but yeah, there's quite a nice community actually on Twitter. I think it's probably the place sort of, sort of for live watching games that it's it's been really good over the last week, few weeks. Obviously, I've been live tweeting from from the town games I go to as well, and it is it is good. You get do get a, a nice broad range of opinions from people not worried to people about to throw themselves off a cliff so hopefully we'll we'll, we'll find ourselves somewhere in between those two viewpoints um uh, as we go on today cool so yeah good intro let's let's get into the Gillingham game now patterson had to turn but took it well ball bounced through to curry good play from curry brown shoots and scores that is a cracking goal what a ball from darren 
So the first game this week was obviously moved to a Wednesday due to our cup exploits on Sunday against Liverpool. Um, 29th of January, 7.45 kickoff at Priestfield and Shrews Return went on to lose 2-0 to Gillingham um, with goals on 26 and on 40 a penalty. Um, not ideal. Gillingham are unbeaten in nine. Let's, let's start off with something as a bit of context, Ollie, which is just okay. They're on a bit of a good run, aren't they? Yeah, they're doing really well. They are doing well. Um, they're, they're grinding at some good results. Mm. Um, and yeah, they're one of the teams that are in kind of the middle um, where their fans, um, quite rightly, um, are kind of getting excited about potentially um, the rest of the season being a bit of a playoff hunt. Do you remember um, that feeling? <laughs> it would be nice um, to have that. It's a few years ago now. Um, it was only a few weeks that's ago. A good, that's a good context for the kind of where the fans are Australian as well because mm. it's a this feeling there's a sense of a missed opportunity. Um, but I think it's just worth noting that as we go into this game and after this game, Town are still without a win um, in the league in 2020. Mm. Um, so yeah. who started? There was a lot of changes, Glenn. So yeah, the team was was lots of changes, like you just say, Ollie. Um, but O'Leary kept his place in goal and then the back line was, was was mixed up with Sears and Hart getting starts on the wing-back positions and then Beckles, Ebanks, Landell and Pierre as the three centre-backs. Walker partnered Laurent in central midfield, and then we had Lang, Wally, and Ado coming in for another start in the attacking position. So I think, it, I think off the top of my head, I think it was six changes, Ollie. Um, which again, before the game, I thought fair enough. You know, we, we lamented him not changing the team around the other day when we had two games in close order, and it, and it cost us, didn't it? I think that was the Doncaster game, wasn't it? So you know, that time he has changed it round, but <laughs> maybe too much, Ollie. And I don't know what to make of it looking and looking at it back, but it was certainly certainly quite a different change and a few players we haven't seen for a while. Yeah, I guess you just don't know. Would it have been even worse for the players that played in the Liverpool game? Exactly, yeah. Um, we don't know. Um, but I think it's fair to say um, there is a genuine issue with um, player performances in the league, um, mentality yeah. in the league. Um, yeah. And I think it's fair to say that um, we started this game really poorly. Um, Jills were <laughs> attacking, um, they had the better play, and they were playing quite direct. Uh, we were basically just not at the races. Um, and for me, it all kind of like summed up with... Um, Jill's attacked um, Pierre falls over there's mm. a cross into the box um, only a poor shot um, um, saves Town blushes and yeah we were conceding yeah lots of opportunities early on um, we had one good attack um, a bit later on where Walker wins the ball midfield passes yeah. to go beat crosses and I don't know whether where you might put on this one and he hits Wally on the head now my question to you, Glenn, is would a striker have done better there? Yeah, probably. You know, it, it, it looked like the sort of thing that a striker might be able to say. He was coming at him with pace, so I'll give him a little bit of credit there. But um, yeah, maybe. It's hard to tell, isn't it? With our strikers, probably not, Ollie. They probably would have missed. Yeah. <laughs> but um, a good striker might have scored. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting that opening period for me, Ollie. They they bullied us a little bit, I thought. And um, yeah. it, it's not nice to see. You know, you got you still had Pierre and Beckles at the back, but um, Akindi, who was playing up front for. Uh, Gillingham, who's a player that's caused us trouble sometimes and then sometimes has been anonymous. Obviously, he played us the other week, didn't he? Playing for Lincoln just before he moved to Gillingham. And he wasn't very good in that game. He was better for Gillingham, you know, probably more suited to his style, quite um, physical and, and direct, I suppose, in some respects. And we just didn't look like we were going to be able to deal with it. You talked about Walker there making that nice pass for that move. He was absolutely anonymous in the first half. It didn't, yeah. didn't really get involved, particularly in that opening spell. We, we did absolutely awful in midfield in trying to impose our game on them. And the strikers got instantly isolated. And the whole thing, during that opening period you just you could just see how it was developing and you you know you already started to think 10 15 minutes in you know this is going to probably need a change to get into this game because we were just completely and utterly anemic and, and not in the game as far as I was interesting concerned. question for me Glenn like when you saw the team did you expect anything 
the the actual team. So you've got Hart, Walker, Sears, Beckles back in the team. Mm. You're playing Wally up front again um, in the front three. Did you actually expect anything? Because to be honest, I looked at the team. It wasn't particularly um, overwhelming in terms of, you know, I wasn't excited. I, w- I wasn't, but also it, it, this is the most disappointing thing about it for me is that there was a chance for those players that have come in to really stake exactly. a claim, and none of them did. None of them at all. You know, Hart looked weak at times. Sears is clearly not fit. Um, Walker was awful. Beckles was shaky. Pierre had his worst game for a really long time. You know, and, all right, he wasn't trying to come and win a place. And even Ado, you know, I feel sorry for the guy. He's another striker being run out, run. You know, a bit like Faye when he was playing for us. He, he was in the team, but getting very little to live off and, and not looking all that good. And, and you know, shame for all those players coming in. Really, that they that the players that had got their positions and, and, and are playing most weeks, their level was low as well. And the whole thing was just a bit of a car crash, to be honest with you. And um, I wasn't expecting anything, but, you know, you go into any game, still still kind of wanting us to win. But it, it's interesting, you know, I'm going to go slightly off on a tangent now. I was looking back at um, when we when the new signing, Makalani uh, or whatever his name is, we'll get to how we pronounce his name, I'm sure I've got that wrong again. Um, it's Makalani. Makalani, there you go, I was close enough. Um he scored against us for Wigan when they won 5-1 at the Meadow. Maybe only what it was, five years ago, something like that. And um, we got thrashed, didn't we, by Wigan. And in that game, you looked at the team lineup we played that day and you'd look at it and go, oh my God, we had Whitbread and, and we had Ian Black and we had Carl Vassell, right? And you think, oh my God, bad players. No wonder we lost 5-1 that day. Even that team there, Ollie, if I take away Walker, I don't think it's all that good. Is that really a, is that really a bunch of bad players? Because to me, that's still a solid enough team. I think that's where a lot of the town fans are at the moment. Yeah. Is that, um, and we'll come to some of Ricketts' comments later on. That this isn't. A, we know League One now, despite Ricketts' memory. We've actually been in League One quite a bit in the last mm. few years, and we mm. get a really good sense of what we are. And you can't fool us. We know that we've got a decent side, and you know we're not a million miles off. You know some other teams that are in the top half, mm. um, and the difference in quality is not huge. Um, so yeah, you've got you know in that team you've got Lang, who's obviously a good player. You've got Pierre. You had um, um, you got a good goalkeeper. You got you know le- le- solid, very good, probably above average League One defenders in that team. Yes, yes, um, still, yeah. Um, and plus, um, Laurent, who's obviously a really good player. So you know, there's enough in that team to 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 have put up a good show. Um, but I think it's worth just kind of saying, well, maybe going on to the goal we conceded because this is just kind of systematic of how we defend. And for me, this mm. is a interesting. Mark Lynch um, did a tweet this this morning saying, "Are we really that good at defending?" And the goals oh. we conceded this week are pretty horrendous. Um, so there's a cross <laughs> into the box. Ilyri comes flying out and misses the ball. And there's a shot that hits a town player. The ball's recycled. Um, and then it's worked to the edge of the box. And then comes the striker and it's fired home. Um, and there's a question about where Ilyri could have done better because it kind of bounced, went down, and he kind of palmed into the our net a bit. Kind of like pushed it. Not palmed it. You know, he kind of... He wasn't a great savey, but he kind of like saved it into the net, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, pretty poor defending. Um, at no point did Town look like they were going to try and win the ball. Um, and we were just kind of almost a bit static and ball watching. Static ball watching, you know, I think it's funny because the back three wasn't really that unsettled. Beckles has come and slotted in and we've had clean sheets within the back three quite a few times. I think they're probably more unsettled by the two new wing backs a little bit. But yeah, not not great by Max. I mean, it, the, the defensive record is still good. You know, I think, what is it, the eighth best in the league still? So the ninth, dro- yeah, it's ninth. interesting. Well, it's, it's kind of is and it isn't. Because, it's dropping away. Yeah, we were. So Lewis Cox helped with this one. So he said he thinks around December time uh, we will have the second best defence in the league. Now yep, we've dropped yep. to ninth. 
So even this, you know, we play really defensive football to try and have that defensive solidity. Um, we haven't, don't even have that now. So, so obviously we dropped down to ninth. That doesn't show the full story. If we did the between those two periods, between December and now, surely we've got a defence that's way down the bottom to a yes. full, full, well, full and seven places. Mm, yeah, it would have gone down a little bit, wouldn't it? But still, we're not, we're still not conceding huge amounts of goals in games. I suppose we're not, we're not totally porous. But again, you're right. That comes from how defensive we are, and you know we've we've stopped keeping these clean sheets, and the goals have, have dried up again, and, and we've dropped down the league a little bit. But you know when when that defence is just that little pace away from where they were, or that one goal conceded, it's. It's not really surprising with a team as anemic as it is. So I still don't think the defence is the problem, you know, and I still don't think Max O'Leary no, is. No, no, it's not a problem. Good, I, I agree, but yeah, yeah, but it's not a problem. But this is this is symptomatic of some of the some of the mistakes that are creeping in, I guess, over the last few weeks. Well, if you don't score, no, um, against finally the pressure starts telling on the back. Um, yeah. So and what else happened? One nil down. So, yeah, one nil <laughs> down, and then yeah, there was um, Beckles missed the ball. Oh God, um, yeah. And then he then he tried to clear it. Then he hit the player with the ball, um, and then he kind of does a clumsy kind of tackle, getting rid of the ball for a corner, um, which was there was a pen claim from the Jills fans. It wasn't a penalty, but it just kind of it was a good example of how we defended. And then they had a corner, which then O'Leary clips over the bar. Um, and then there was another opportunity um, where Jules headed over the ball from across from the right. So Jules another opportunity. Yeah. So yeah, loads of pressure on Shrewsbury Town. And then um, Akindi runs down the left. Um, um, Ebanks Landall can't keep up. Clumsy tackle in the box, a tangle, and gives away a penalty. And Lee, who is from Hearts, um, slotted the ball away. Simple. It's 2-0 at half-time. And I have to say, much deserved for Gillingham. Uh, Shrewsbury were shite. We were bad. I mean, we were bad in the opening period, but I think was it, it was a it was a case of saying we got worse as that half went on. To be honest with you, it was just less and less confident. Once the first goal went in, a few heads dropped. We we often puffed a little bit, but you never really thought we were going to score. To be honest with you, I mean, it was another half where we had no shots on target. Ollie, you know, I think we maybe only had one or two shots. They just were continuing to sort of come through us. They were holding the ball a little bit as much as they wanted it. It was just pathetic as far as I was concerned that that first 45 minutes that's a, that's a good word I don't think I've used that this season I thought the first 35 minutes 45 minutes in that game was pathetic Ollie yeah it was really poor and it was one of those halves where you expected um, a reaction at half time mm. and also it was one of those games where you could have subbed off the entire team anyone um, everyone could have come off um, which leads us into the second half Glenn because there was a bit of frustration on Twitter because one, uh, Mark Elliott was kind of losing his rag. <laughs> Brilliant, that was. <laughs> yeah, we're bringing, we're bringing on, um, so basically Cummings and Edwards were warming up and ready to go on the side. And um, one of them staff um, basically had like a, like a like almost like, I guess, printed um, presentation sheets showing Cummings. But all I can imagine it said in it, in big, bold letters is, get in the box, shoot and score. Um, because I'm not sure what they're going to teach Cummings within, within a couple of minutes on the sideline. But it took 10 minutes for to bring on the subs. So Lang came off for Edwards and Ado came off for Cummings. But yeah, I don't understand why those subs didn't come earlier. Again, we just wasted 10 minutes of the game. The team, you know, maybe the manager was giving them the chance to start, but they started just as badly as they ended the first. Yeah, the first, first, first 10 minutes was terrible again, wasn't it? There was no, no impetus, no half-time rocket that made them come out any better. And no subs came on after 10 minutes because they were needed. I agree, Odo made the subs at half-time uh, just to put a rocket up them and, and make sure those players knew that that is not unacceptable for Shrewsbury. It's not acceptable for Shrewsbury players to go out and, and perform like that. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like we were playing one of the best teams in the division. Yeah, they're on a good run. But, you know, even then, I didn't think Gillingham was stellar. They were just a good League One team and we were a very poor League One team. But, yeah, I, it was in, it was really interesting to listen to Mark Elliott lose his mind about it. And... Um, 
I don't think I agree with you about what was on those sheets, Ollie. For any player we're sending on, surely the first line is watch your defensive responsibilities. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it didn't get any better, really. Um, I think maybe the highlight of the half was a good attack starting with a cart cross. So we saw him come into the game a little bit. Um, a little bit. He walked it to Lawrence, who hit the post. Um, then maybe a highlight of the game there, fat manager throw the ball away when um, Love was going to take a throw in and got a yellow card. I hate Steve Evans. I really, yeah. really hate Steve Evans. He's just pantomime um, on the sideline and just causing distraction and it's just very unprofessional and yeah they need to do something about it because it's it's not really the kind of the setting the standards you'd expect <laughs> and it's just not it's just a waste of time and it's, it's a moron yeah exactly um there was a, a really good clearance off the line from edwards he stopped us going down to three nil down yeah um and then there was finally had a little bit of play so love um to lauren in the box good dribbling and works himself into shooting position but fires wide um, then there's another heart cross and Wally shoots, but we know Wally can't shoot, so obviously he doesn't score. Um, and yeah, the game kind of just ebbs out, really. Um, oh, after it. they got that second goal, um, sorry, after the, yeah, I'm getting confused now between the two games, but <laughs> the, the second half, there wasn't a lot to write home about, um, to be honest. Um, did you really think that we were going to score Glenn in the second half? No, not not at all. You talk about that Wally chance that he had that shot and it got cleared off the line quite easily. We were we were seven eight minutes away from going another game without a shot on target, Ollie. And I've talked about this on the podcast. We didn't I against Doncaster. We had no shots on target in the whole game, and it's the first time that had happened for at least three or four years. And we almost did it within six games of each other. So, you know I mean, that was, that was a question that was flying around on Twitter. So I ask you that question, this question, Glenn. Was this performance worse than Doncaster? It was equally as bad. It's hard to it's hard to split them really. We had one shot on target in that game compared to none against Doncaster, and they did rally for like a ten minute spell in the second half, but. I don't know. I've seen people say Doncaster was worse. I've seen people say that. I was think worse. Doncaster was worse. Yeah, possibly, probably um, right. Um, I don't know. They're, they're but, very close to Ollie. But yeah, if they, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like which was worse, this shit sandwich or this shit sandwich? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like to have those two games in this bad run now does point to the fact that not only are we not getting results, but we are putting in performances that are very, very poor. The sorts of performances that if we were in a four-team league, there were four relegation places. And, you know, you, you look at where we're at now, you could easily, we'd be easily be in a relegation battle if, if these results kept happening between now and the end of the season. Now, we'll come to the end of this podcast and probably talk about the FA Cup being a distraction again. But really, you know, seven games in a row and, and these sorts of performances, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that's a good enough excuse really now. Well, yeah. And it's not only that, is it? You've got to go all the way back to, you know, you've got to go back into December yeah. through a period. It's not like a non- normal month as well. January and December are not normal months. We pay a lot of games. Mm. So just saying we haven't scored, you know, in this year and we're obviously now on the, the 2nd of, um, of, of Feb, um, there's a lot of games in that period. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's not good. Form, form is very poor. Um, and mm. it's. I, would, I haven't done the stats, actually. I forgot to have a look. Um, but maybe we'll have a look by the time we get to the Rochester game to see what our points for game is um, so far um, <laughs> God, since, do since it, the Blackpool game. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like a bit of misery, so maybe that's what I'll do. So, top three, Glenn. Who did you go for? I'm, I'm not... I'm like Doncaster, I think I'm going to veto it. I You're just, abstaining. I, I'm abstaining. I, I honestly don't think anyone played well in that game. Not enough to say they were a man of the match and they deserve any credit. I think everyone was very poor. Yeah, it was poor. Mm. Um, I did do a top three. Um too easy, Ollie. <laughs> but yeah, I went for Lauren Edwards and O'Leary, even though O'Leary um, yeah, didn't have the best game. He was still no. better than everyone else. Um, so what does Sam Ricketts have to say? He was disappointed. He went from a football game on Sunday to a rugby game today. Um, he put Oh yeah, we forgot that he put Omar up front, which just oh, man. Huge, that was hilarious. huge abuse. So, yeah, so what happened, Glenn? What, what was everyone saying? 
Oh, I don't know. I mean, we're 2-0 down. He did try and have a go for it in the last 15 minutes. But because he'd subbed off his striker, you know, one of the strikers, and basically made all his subs, he put he put Omar back up front for like 15 and, minutes. Yeah, and just worth the context in and adding that everyone wants two strikers up front. So we had yeah. two up front, but one of them was a central defender. Well, he did the same thing at the end of the bloody Rochdale game. We'll get to it in a minute. But the two people who were playing up front as a two at the end of the game were one striker and bloody Wally, a winger. You know, whenever we actually end up putting two strikers up, it never seems to be two players who are actually strikers, which is infuriating, no. to be honest with you. And to be fair to Omar, he struggled and he had a go, but he was bloody terrible. He did absolutely yeah. nothing. So it was a complete waste of time. <laughs> it, was, it was a bit like when um, when I was um, 16, Glenn, I was really quite fast. I ran in the school relay team and things oh, like yeah. that. And uh, my Sunday league manager had the idea of putting me up front and it didn't work out. I went back to right back yeah. um, and this was similar. It was not good. Know your role. <laughs> know your role. Yeah, exactly. I was a much better defender than I was as a striker. So um, what else do you have to say? Probably, you know, he was talking about the passing that we only put five uh, t- passes um kind of sets of passes together it was really poor and he did say he felt sorry for anyone who paid to watch the game um so he does he did remember at this point it's an entertainment and business it wasn't even worth it again it my my you know we've got the danny fisher danny coin coefficient haven't we We refer to every now and again i've got my iFollow coefficient is paying 10 pound to watch these games on iFollow worth it and more often than not, whenever I watch a bloody game, because it's an away game most of the time this season, it, it's never even worth the £10. I've had this rant before, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel really bad for people who, you know, I feel bad for myself going to Rochdale, to be honest with you, but I feel really bad for any town fans that drove all the way down to Gillingham to watch that. It was very, very soul-destroying to some respects, you know. Um, um, but it's not the first time it's happened this season. It won't be the last, probably. No, so... Yeah, we're we're up to up to twenty something minutes in the podcast. Um, <sighs> let's leave Gillingham there and um, go on to Rochdale. Shropshire side looking for the lead here early on. Edmund can't get it, but McMenamin can. The first goal of the game, and it's gone Shrewsbury's way. So Rochdale won, Shrewsbury Town nil. Yeah. Um, in terms of yeah, the size of their club and their stature and how much resources they had, the attendance was two thousand eight hundred. Um, yeah. And of that, there was um, three three hundred and ninety one Shrewsbury Town fans. I, I don't get that. I mean, Rochdale used to get more than that, didn't they? When we used to go there all the time, they've definitely not been having a good season. So that's fair enough. And I think they've probably been having the seasons after seasons of relegation battles, haven't they? In League One, and I guess maybe that's just whittled away their hope a little bit. Maybe but... I've got a bit of an explanation for that. Glenn. Yeah, they've go got on. the second worst home record in the league, and they've wow. only won. Well, they've won four games at home now. Um, after they beat us, it was only three going to this game. Um, however, from a if I was a Rochdale fan and I'd looked at history, Shrewsbury had not won at Rochdale since two thousand one. So it will be twenty years if we win uh, next time. Which, considering we play them that often, that is pretty horrendous record. And I've been to Rochdale far too many times. Um, the snow game, Simpson. Yeah, the her season was a yeah clamorous, terrible, terrible game of football. Um, so again, worth noting, Town have not won a game all, um, in 2020. <laughs> repeating that, are you, Ollie? <laughs> I'm repeating that until we actually win a game. Um, in the league, in the league, Ollie. We'll come to a um, the stats a bit later, but it's worth just kind of noting that we've now scored in away games 0.6 goals per game. So nearly Gordon half Bennett. a goal a game, which is horrendous. So, yeah. So, Glenn, who played in this game? Well... You know, we we changed it back to our more regular players from from the from the um, 
the Gillingham game. So there was a bit of hope there, I suppose. But yeah, O'Leary started in goal, and then we went with Williams, um, Ebank, Sandell, and Beckles kept his place. Interestingly, um, presumably we might have needed him as that auxiliary striker later on, Ollie. So very sensible from Ricketts. Um, Love came back and said a goalborn in the wing back positions, and then it was Edwards and Laurent who were sitting slightly deeper, and then we had Lang, Cummings, and McAlaney up front, which was. Pretty attacking. So, you know, Ollie, I, I, I saw your Twitter just pre-match. You were really excited about this, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I thought that we were going to play that number 10 that I've been crying out yeah. for. And we we're going to play our two best strikers. Yeah. Um, now now Faye has been disparted with. Um, we're going to play our two best strikers and a number 10. And I was genuinely, I was walking the dog before getting ready to watch the game, thinking, yes, really excited for this one. So the game started... We're obviously everyone, like yourself, everyone's really funny. Quite a few people on Twitter were kind of all posted at the same time. The formation, me, you and Lewis Cox and some other some other fans as well, yeah. all posted the formation at the same time, Rich within like a minute of each other, saying town are playing four three, four, three, or five, um five and two, three. We weren't playing um two strikers up front with a number ten behind. We were playing Lang um on the right wing and um McLennan playing on the left wing. It was balmy. I honestly got really, like I got annoyed by it as the game kicked off. To be honest with you, but as soon as you saw Lang, he wasn't just like you know. If you play Cummins up front, but those two quite close to him, that would be probably okay because it, it, they'd be more central. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. they weren't. They were really, really wide. Lang played as a winger most of the first half. Yeah, they were we playing was, as wingers. He was sitting down by us. And he's our best striker, probably. You know, Cummins is a better finisher, but I think all round striker Lang is our best striker. He was really good first half, Lang. Like his his performance was good. He's tricking skills, chase things down, close things down. But do you know what the problem was? He was completely out of position and wasted all that skill in a position. And effort that, and running. Yeah, wasn't influencing the game that much. No. It was it was good what he was doing, but oh, it was infuriating. And, and I, I I don't know that set the whole tone for me of the day. And um, you know, overall this was a better performance than Gillingham, but. There were so many things there that you, you just think, why could Ricketts not see that that was not the way there's to go? There's always a but, isn't there? There's mm. always a but. I don't know. Yeah, there's always a but with these performances and these results. Um, and we did actually start quite brightly. Yeah. There's some good yeah. pressing, some good possession. Um, but the thing I don't understand is, um, you know, we do have one analyst these days and I get the impression that they focus on matches. Um, so their main player um, is Jimmy Ryan and he was playing basically as like a quarterback, you know, pivot role. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, why don't we play a number 10 to mark him when he got the ball? If we'd done that, we would have stopped any of their play, um, which was, I don't know, just found a bit odd. Um, but we did start fairly brightly. And, you know, we, we in terms of some of our play was more positive in this game. Yep. Um, so McClenney um, wins the ball, um, basically wins a loose ball um, and try, basically gets into the box. He tries to get the ball onto his favoured right foot, but that split delay gave the defender the chance to close in and win the ball. Yeah. Um, and my question to you is, I mean, like, at this point, should he have crossed it to Cummings? It looked like there was a simple pass in there, but it's his own debut. He did really well with the run. He took a good first touch, I suppose, in some respects. But um, I don't really blame him for trying to have a go. Cummings would never have passed it to him, so I, I wouldn't think he'd be too worried about that going back. But, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was good. And we should talk about him, really. You know, overall, it was a really good debut, I thought. And you Yeah, McElhaney probably... looks like a good signing, to be yeah. fair. He's got really quick feet, was skillful, was pretty fast when he got going. You know, he could drive forward with the ball. Um, you know, you just you just don't want to see him out bloody where he was because by the time he drove forward, you know, it was giving people time to cover across and, and just mark our one striker in the box as bloody usual. But, um, yeah, more of that as the game goes on. But, yeah, he, he was solid and really good. And I, I don't blame him too much with that. And, you know, Town did have the better of the, the opening exchanges, Ali. There's no doubt about that. But I'm going to cav- caveat all this by saying Rochdale were awful. 
really, really bad. Like, yeah, really I know bad. Jimmy Ryan's an all right player and he was all right for us at times, but Christ, they were terrible. The big lump, lump up front barely moved. Their defence looked really shaky. They were playing balls across the back um, that were just really poor passes. That's what set up that chance we just talked about. It was a cross for ball that just went straight to McElhaney. And I was I was just watching it thinking, we can, there's no way we won't win this today. They were that bad. You know, I thought, oh, yeah. we're creating chances, we're on top. You know, I know we struggled to score, but, you know, Christ, if we can't figure it out today, we never are. Um, so in, in that 10, 15 minute spell in the opening period, obviously my my positivity was quite high. And I was thinking, yeah, we're, we're heading in the right direction. But Christ, it, we couldn't have we couldn't have shot ourselves in the foot more times than we tried as this game went on. No. And, and in, 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 we'll say it once, maybe, maybe, maybe again, but we won't say it too many times. In defensive <laughs> rickets, we did create chances and the yeah, players yeah. failed. Yes. But ultimately, that, that becomes, ultimately, when that becomes a trend, which is a trend, it becomes a fault of the manager. So we had one amazing chance, like unbelievable chance in this, in this half. Um, so um, basically, Salat break with Laurent in midfield, who's um, had a really good game again. So Laurent passes to Cummings onto his left foot and he shoots in the box. And Glynn, would you have expected him to score there? Yeah, oh yeah, all, all the time. If, it, if it's against Liverpool, he scores out every day, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? It's it's a big cup game, and our players always manage to find the the game and the goal for that sort of thing. But yeah, it was it wasn't a great finish to be honest with you. And um, that that was the one where we literally broke four attackers against two defenders. They were caught so far upfield, and they were all disjointed. And even then, we couldn't we couldn't finish a two against four. Do you know what I mean? It's just. The typical tale of town this season, and I remember speaking to um, one of the lads that plays for baseball. It's called Paul Coyne at halftime, and you know we we sort of talked about that chance, just just shaking your head, thinking honestly, this this team it finds again f- just finds ways not to score, Ollie, in brilliant situations. Yeah, very very frustrating, very frustrating. Ah! Um, we had another chance. Um, so Love shoots straight at the keeper, not really um, that opportunity, um, and then the heavens opened and the rain started falling and. After this point, they started to offer a bit more going forward. They did, um, and they had a couple of attacks. Um, but the the it was it was nil nil going at half time, Glenn. Um, and how yeah, how did you feel? How what how how were the kids feeling? Oh, my, Rory had said this is rubbish again, Dad. In that when it started raining, the game got really scrappy and, and a bit rubbish, and we had a good. 10 minutes there where we weren't very good Ollie you know we went down to Rochdale's level and uh, the little lad just for half time was a bit like oh god dad um but no they were okay um but yeah it, it was interesting really because I, I do think like when the rain came down we we suddenly looked a little bit like we didn't fancy it as much terrible pitch rain totally windy it was there was a little bit of that Ollie a little bit of um a little bit of a psychological step back for for a five ten minute period and I think then you know they realized they've got to kind of buckle up and they got back into it just before the end of the half and I think created one decent chance but you know it did give you that indication as to what could happen against Rochdale where they, they only needed a 5-10 minute spell to really get on top of us and, and there was a goal there for them and that built as the game went on the longer we didn't score the more it looked like Rochdale would fancy it and obviously that's what happened at the end but still at half time I felt like we would just find a goal at some point and we'll win this and one goal will be enough because they looked they looked poor. They, oh, yeah. they really were poor. They were poor. Yeah. It's not that like they looked poor. They were a terrible team and we've bloody lost to them. Yeah. Anyway, that was enough time. <laughs> so yeah, we started second half and we kind of, to be fair, we did pick it back up again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good cross from Love. So Love probably did two good crosses out of his about 100 that he did yesterday. <laughs> um, so a good cross into the box. Fines coming at the back post. He should have done better, and I'm sure he'll be frustrated with that one again. I'm sure he didn't sleep last night thinking the chances he wasted. Yeah. Um, and then this is a funny bit of a play, Glenn. And I think I've actually missed a couple out, but bear with me. So Laurent to Love, Love to Williams, to Love, to Williams, to Love. 
who then finds Lauren in the box and he can't score. And then Cummings has a follow-up and he fails to convert as well. Mm. So in some ways, quite good. Bit of, you know, soaking up pressure and then crossing. But again, it's exactly the same mode of attack all the time. There's no spontaneity. There's no creativity. There's no... Um, you know, using some football manager word, no flair. You know, if you had to, oh, you do do the football manager stats, Glenn. So I imagine the flair stats are pretty low in the team. Um, Puff Beckles. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> yeah, again, another chance we should have scored, Glenn. Yeah, it was. It, it, interesting what you say about that. I'm not going to talk about that chance anymore because you described it well and it was, it was a shame not to score both of them. But interesting as the game went on, more and more town fans around me were getting frustrated with how we were playing. We had a lot of the ball and we were passing it around the edge of the box. Then it'd go one way, then it'd go the other. Then it'd come back, then it'd go the other. And it just took forever to either get a cross in there, which 90% of them, as you mentioned, were poor, or someone had a shot that got blocked or, or it kind of scribbled through to the keeper. And, you know, as much as we had all the ball and we were dominating Rochdale and we created some good chances, I, I'd say for the amount of ball and, and pressure we had in that game, we still didn't actually create that many chances compared to what a good team probably would. We can we created way more chances than we normally do, but for all the play we had in that game, we, we really didn't actually create a million chances. We created three, four good chances across 90 minutes against a really poor team so to me that, that was a frustration we had a lot of the ball and it went, a lot of time was going nowhere it was just going sideways sideways yeah. when Goss came in he did a bit of that as well and, and uh, people were getting a bit frustrated around me with that yeah no it's maybe worth just well we'll, we'll come to maybe this this point again um, just as we get to the end of the game um, there was a decent bit of play Goldblum basically gets the ball runs into the box passes um, to McLean and then he gets his pocket picked and Dale Tired came to attack yeah and for me, for me, that was the thought. It was quite an interesting move. Not be, one because obviously we fluffed it again, but for me, it just showed that Dale had not given up. No, they, they had not given up. They counterattacked with effort and drive, um, and they nearly scored. Um, and for me, yeah, it, for me, it was just an indicator that you know they weren't dead. They were still in this game, and they still had um, no. faith and belief that they would get something from it. And they had a corner where a guy missed a f- complete free header just before they scored, Ollie. It was, they, they should have scored then, to be honest with you, and, and been 1 0 up. Um, and that was from a counter attack where they won the corner. And they, they've got the lad called Rathbone in midfield. Quite a I really of, don't like him. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, more I watched him on Saturday, Ollie. He's, he's quite young. He must be quite young. He, he looks quite young. But he um, he's a bit of an enigma and the sort of player that. You know, we don't really have. He kind of went and found spaces. He wanted the ball. He was maybe the link to those counter attacks a lot of time. He had a lot of energy getting up. He'd always be on the edge of the box. Um, there were things he didn't do well. He got shrugged off the ball far too easily and he's got absolutely no physicality. But um, he was one of their links and he was one of the reasons why they didn't give up, I think, Ollie. They always thought we can give it Rathbone and he'll find us a way forward. And he did actually do a job for them in the last 15 minutes, Ollie. He was probably instrumental in, in getting them the goal, I thought. I would say we probably played a bigger part. <laughs> we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot. But what I mean is he was the one giving him that belief you talked about I agree yeah. totally agree his movement is really good he yeah he, and he keeps going and he's very tenacious um, mm, he doesn't yeah. stop um, yeah so what did we have um, <sighs> we had like um, like a corner that came into the box and Michelini fires um, but as a comfortable save for the keeper uh, Laurent with a really nice through ball to love but again the final ball was just so so poor and then from this actually for me this is a, this is for me it was 88th minute of Saturday and no, for me, this, this sums up Shrewsbury <laughs> to a T. So if, if, you, if you're a if you're a scout or an analyst, or you want to just kind of picture this team, this is the mo- this is the minute to watch. So <laughs> we do we have the ball, we have possession, and we do a really nice through ball, a really nice bit of play. But we do that same bloody cross again. Yep. We and I've, we've talked about this quite a few times. I get frustrated with 
when people say, oh, yeah, but it was a good cross into the box. It's not a good cross if there's no one there. Yeah. So he crosses into the box, a flat cross where we're trying to copy Man City, which we've been doing all season. Flat cross into the box, no one there. Dale get the ball and they counter-attack. They do have a good counter-attack. They fire into the crossbar. There's a scramble in the box and town are all at sea. There is oh God, men yeah. free, players all over the place. Williams fell over when we were trying to defend. It was just <laughs> an absolute car crash of bodies. It was a bit like... Um, yeah, just a disaster in terms of position. Then they comes out, headed, comes down again, and just fired into the back of the net. 1-0, and 88th minute, 1-0. After all of our good work, all those shots, everything else, we just shoot ourselves in the foot, and we mm. give away three points, or we I, give away a point, and potentially we could have got three. No, definitely. There's two things on that. One, Beckles almost gives a penalty away. Where the ball comes across, it kind of deflects off his arm, but the referee's like tapping his shoulder. And then what happens? It kind of comes through on the edge of the box. And to me, if you look at it back on the replay, town players are walking out to close it down. There's no no, uh, aggression or speed to try and close the guy down. And then he plays a ball in. There's a bit more of a scrap and it goes in. That's the moment where you can pitch a point and say... Did they do enough? And for me, they were walking, Ollie. I was really... I said this on Twitter straight away. I saw it on, on the day, like, right in front of me. That was really disappointing for me. And then, obviously, they've just wanted the two battles. It's come off the post. They've won the battle for the header. And they've scrapped it down. The ball's come, and it's sort of bounced around a bit. And they've won the next battle. And again, are they want, did they want it enough in that situation? And, and it's just little moments like that where I'm just like, come on, lads. You, that goal was imminently stoppable. You know, even if they counter-attacked us quickly, we still had three at the back. And it, they should have just done better. And and to, to have lost to Rochdale was is a bit unforgivable. I'm going to say it for the third time. They were terrible, and and they just didn't learn the lesson from the couple of character tracks before, like you mes- mentioned. And um, yeah, ripped to pieces in terms of the shape, and that was it. Game over. We were not going to come back. You know, I don't. We had a half chance after that, but you knew it was game over. The Dale fans knew it was game over. The the Dale players knew it was game over. A load of heads dropped. I looked at our players and I thought we've got no chance here. No, absolutely no chance. And for me, there's a a really good thread um, from Mark Elliott um, this morning. Mm. We'll pick out a couple of things from it. So basically, the the thread is basically kind of linked to some of his comments and about about where Salapar and, you know, about being a small club and small budgets and all this kind of stuff. And he's trying to earn some time. But I think we're just going to focus for me on the tacking bit of his his thread. So Mm. we mentioned already, and I mentioned, and I put on Twitter last night, that we've now scored 24 goals in 27 games, which we've actually dropped now. So we were... 0.92 0.92 <laughs> now with 0.88 goals oh, per game which is just horrendous so with the second worst goals in the game and Mark Elliott says it says enough about the quality entertainment offered by Sam Ricketts that it's had a well over a year to build players must make better decisions in executing the final third but the, but the play is an issue too it's conservative and the rigid and the rigidity dominates our style of play um, you know the team today was tacking on paper but the ball went backwards and sideways often too slowly um, and then he mentions that, you know, he's seen that the patience is running low. And and that's the frustration, isn't it? Because we're watching these games and we're getting really frustrated. Um, and it's just, it's just really, I think you can't say this anything, just keep repeating the word frustrating. We've got a good mm. team here. True to Town fans know the standard in League One and we know what yep. good looks like. We've seen relegation sides and we've also seen a side that grinds out results under Hurst and, and can achieve. So we've got a really good you know, the last three, four years, we've got a really good um, kind of experience of what it takes to kind of put a good side together. And this team, you know, when you talk about like, you know, the, the, the Mickey Mellon side that struggled and the Graham Turner side that struggled, they didn't have players like O'Leary and Gold. They didn't have Lauren to Norburn. They didn't have central defenders like Pierre. You know, we didn't have strikers like Langs and Cummings. 
No, the difference is the defence, particularly, you know, in under the Mickey Mellon era, particularly when we got into League One and he changed it all around, we did, you know, end up having, you know, the Whitbreads and the Gerrards and, and other players like that that were not great. You know, we've got the solid foundation that any manager would want. Ricketts is continually showing he cannot figure out how to build beyond what he's done here. And, and what, you know, we're going to sort of a summary now. Let's leave Rochdale behind. We'll, we'll do the top threes in a minute, but I want to just get into a summary of where we're at the moment because it's a couple of things really about it in that... Um, the first one is like where we're at in the league and the cup run, right? Like for me, the reason why a lot of town fans are a bit miffed is cup runs are brilliant, right? But you know what they are, they are what they are. They're a cup run, they're a one-off game. You can be gritty and you can get good results and it can carry you a long way. But I tell you what, I'd swap one good season like we had under Paul Hurst, or even slightly less than that, to be involved in the playoffs, the continually excitement over a season, week in, week out, wanting to watch these players, getting engaged, getting excited. I'd swap that for any good cup run. You know, as much as I'm going to enjoy going to Anfield, I'd rather I'd rather have a good league season. And I think that people are starting to realise that now. Tuesday's going to be ace. We might even go to Chelsea. It'll be great fun. But that's two more games out of another 20-odd that won't be, won't be fun to watch. And... Um, so that, Which that's goes one back thing. to my point about it being a distraction, and it's for me exactly. it's a frustration. Yeah, Sunday was fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure to to come back against Liverpool when coming scores. It was one of the highlights in terms of you know celebrating a goal the most. The it whole was really season, yeah. up there. Yeah, it's really up there. It was really fun entertainment, everything you kind of want to see. But when you then go and see Wednesday night. And to go from that <laughs> to this, you hear Sam Ricketts talk about how much the players wanted it and were trying really hard. Now, if any of the players are listening, fucking try in the league, lads. Yeah, yeah. Fucking try. Particularly Give at a Gillingham. Damn. This is your bread yeah. and butter. This is this is this is your this is your livelihood. This is your this is your day job. The league, as you said, sorry, the league is your is your basics, and they just can't be asked. Some of the like Doncaster, Gillingham, just terrible. It's just it's just completely unacceptable. And for me, yes, the FA Cup is quite nice and it's a fun. But when you look back and reflect, it just winds me up. <laughs> oh God, it, it is it is interesting. You know that that, that Gillingham game particularly puts it into into sharp focus about how how little like there was. It was just so after the Lord Mayor show, wasn't it? Basically, that it was exactly that. And you kind of maybe felt like that's what it'd be. The away games are a particularly big issue at the moment, are they? Aren't they? I mean. Our away form is pretty awful. It's like one of the worst in the division. But if you look at goal scoring away from home, um, of the of the fifteen away games we played in the league so far this season, we've we've not scored in six of them, right? Which is pretty bad. So over but a of, third of games we haven't scored. Exactly. But we've had fifteen away games, and in fourteen of them we've only scored one goal or less. So obviously zero or one. We've only scored two goals in one away game this season, and that was Fleetwood the other week when we when we scored two and, and Cummins came on and got the second. So you know. Sorry, just get me get this right. Go on. So you're saying that in of 14 of our 15 games, we've scored one or zero? Yes, away from home. <laughs> it's not great, is it? And and they say that, that only two came like what the, the away game before last. So it's only just recently happened. And um, yeah, t- and to me, that's another indication of the, the frustrations with watching Shrewsbury Town away from home this season. I've obviously done a majority of the games, really. Only the two sort of long-distance ones I follow I've watched. But I've been to most of them. I've, I've gone around the country watching them. I'm totally and utterly... Contemplating why at the moment it is a lot of money for not a lot of enjoyment, and you know I'm going to go to all the home games. I've got my season ticket. We've been seeing slightly more goals and maybe slightly better results, um, but it, it's hard going for the away fans. And, and interestingly, I was sitting in the sitting in the um, in the stadium yesterday, Ollie, after the Rochdale game, and a guy came down. Who I, I kind of know, I can't remember his name now, and he shouted across to me, "Don't be too hard on them, Glenn. Don't be too hard on them. They couldn't have done much more today." And I actually had to say, "I don't, I don't agree with you." To be honest with you. Like you know, we're playing a really poor team here, and just all the things we mentioned about the Rochdale game, and and I wanted to be harsh because that was a poor result in the context of it. And so there are still fans there that obviously got faith and can see the effort that's being put into it. Um, 
and I can to a certain extent, but there's no reason why I was ever going to come onto this podcast today and be positive about yesterday or anything this week because really it was two rubbish results, two more games where we couldn't score a goal yeah. um, and, and two games where you just lose faith that this season's going to go anywhere other than a fun cup run, get knocked out and spiral away. And the other yeah, thing I was going to say, Ollie, as well is... Sorry, can I make a point yeah, on that on. point? So almost directly to that point, I don't know if it was the same guy, um, you know, <laughs> who was saying that basically we played well yesterday, but that doesn't change the fact that we're playing defensive football. And so, yeah, we have this good performance yesterday and we did create, you know, lots of chances. But that's just one example. But when there's that one example, there's a a whole list of examples you can kind of put against that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So the fact that we played only one striker up front against Bolton, we didn't create hardly any chances in open play. We only played, in that game, we only played two up front in extra time. Overall, we scored less than a goal a game. And he's got a good team and good strikers. So, yes, this is a... But for this performance, let's be honest was an outlier it wasn't the average it's an outlier of how we've been performing and that's why the towns are really town fans are really frustrated there's no margin for error in this team the way he's built this team there's no margin for error you know no goals concede one you're going to lose or draw a game most of the time and and that isn't enough for a playoff charge and and so there we go we've not won in seven league games ollie you know ricketts did go nine without a win last season when he was really under pressure we're only two off that now and and there is some statistical and, you know, performance-related issues that fans are starting to worry about. Now, we just talked before the podcast. We're just summarising this, aren't we, really? Because we're kind of at the end of this week. But, you know, I, I've said, yeah, we're not going to sack him, nor would I want him to be sacked. He's in a very, very tough spot at the moment, though, and, and we'll get to post-match comments, which have not really helped. Um, but and we're not at that situation anymore. But, you know, you, you do can kind of see why people are continuing to say... I don't think he's the man, or I don't want him to be here. We're not in that boat yet, but there, there is, there is that. Pe- there are some people out there saying it. But uh, like, so we've all, we've kind of we've often talked about points per game on this podcast, mm. and one point per game is typically relegation form. So even yep. if you include the draw and the two wins against Coventry and Blackpool, so if you take all those games, which is basically ten last games, we've got a point per game. If you mm. go after the Blackpool win, we've got point four points per game. So we've yeah, got you can't, three points you can't. from seven games. You can't argue it's not relegation form in the league yeah. at the moment. I totally agree with you. It's it's a case of seeing whether we continue in the cup and that distraction continues and it gets worse. The last thing I'm going to say on this before we move on to top threes and, and Sam Ricketts comments is a few weeks back we were saying, well, even in a worst case situation, we're never going to finish lower than 16th because everybody below there is miles behind. There was a big gap, wasn't there? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There was the mid-pack, everyone was close, you all had a shot at the playoffs and then there was 16th and below and none of them were anywhere near it and, and, and they were miles out of contact. Accrington are two points behind us now. And the team below that are only three points behind us. We could easily finish 18th, 19th. We could, you know, if it doesn't go well, there's now the the proper prospect of finishing the one place above relegation. I wouldn't have thought that before Christmas. No, and that's the context <laughs> on which Sam Ricketts went into the post-match interview. So mm. what did he have to say? <laughs> he said, I was immensely frustrated um, for a huge list of reasons. And he went on to mention a few. We had most possession. We had more shots. We just didn't score. We dominated the game, dominated the second half, and we got caught. We need to turn those shots into goals, and their goalkeeper was man of the match. We didn't, uh, you know, basically didn't put the ball in the back of the net. He was quite pleased that the players spoke yeah. after the game about the reasons why and all that kind of stuff. And then Stuart <laughs> Dunn says the lack of goal has been a concern, and he said, "Yeah, something we want to address." But he clearly wasn't very happy with the question. A bit then, late. The yeah. window's shut, mate. You idiot! Then, you should have addressed it last week. And then, well, without going on a big rant, I think we've got good, we've got good players. We're just playing them in a defensive style. Ugh, um, yes. Then he's then Donnelly goes on to say, on a difficult run, seven wins, um, you know, seven games without a win, three points collected, and then Sam Ricketts had the audacity to say, it depends how you look at it. What? You know, we, 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 you know, we, you know, we haven't lost that many games in this in this stretch. 
which, oh, respect the point, lads. So yeah, so the point. Okay, we've drawn three games since Blackpool, but we've also we also haven't won and we've lost four. So yes, we've drawn three, but drawing three is not something I'd want to highlight and as a, as a positive. <laughs> then he was. But didn't we to, draw with Bolton, who are yeah. awful, and Fleetwood, who we drew away. We That's drew with, but they were awful at home this season, aren't they? They weren't on yeah. a good run. And Lincoln, who were, and Lincoln were also got on a terrible, run. yeah, terrible yeah. Um, away form. So again, he's trying to pull the wool out of his eyes. And I'm sorry, lads, like, that's just not going to work because, one, there's the internet these days and people can actually look at the results quite quickly and people actually went to the games and remember, and exactly. remember the results. Yeah. Now, we now start going down a bit of a dark hole, Glenn, because he talks about the transfer window and he says, yeah, it's disappointing not to get the targets who want. It's a closer way, but he kind of alludes to basically, if we had a few more players, we'd be winning the league. Yeah. Um, so, and then we get to this point. So, we've spent how long... We've been recording the podcast now for 51 minutes and we've been laying the foundations and context of where we are and why we're frustrated. Mm. And then Sam Ricketts has thrown a grenade. He has <laughs> said, this is our bread and butter and we want to do better in the league. And um, and when he's doing this, Glenn, he's um, rubbing his chin and he looks really awkward and uncomfortable. And he then goes on to say, as an overall, we are doing really well in the league. In terms of where we are, historically where the club has been, we're still doing really well. No, oh, people didn't like that, did they, Ollie? Do you like it? <laughs> no, not at all. Because I mean, we're sixteen. Nonsense. It's no better than where we were under bloody Graham Turner all those years ago. We've, we've not, you know, well, we've not improved. We're, we're, we're lower this season. We know we've we've had a reasonable season up until the last seven games where it's fallen off a cliff. But to say this is going to be a better season than most of our other relegation battling seasons is a pretty, pretty long stretch. We are two points better off now than we were last season for points per game. You know, that's after whatever many games we played. And we had John it's, Askey it's, for it's a good period. Yeah. Yeah. Also, historically, someone might need to have a chat with him. Someone who's a bit older than us, <laughs> needs to have a chat with him about the 1980s where we were in the championship for nearly 10 years. And also the fact he was on BBC on Sunday talking about how well a club were run, that we've got championship training grounds, that we're set up to try and achieve something, mm, which mm, is complete yeah. contradiction to when he says, historically, lads, you should be happy where you are. So I interpret, how do you interpret his state? Why has he said, basically, that we should be happy? He's basically, for my... he's pissed off everyone being negative about yeah. the league form. <laughs> but the league form's terrible, and we yeah. should be doing better than we are. So, and then for me, he's not... Either he's not, he's got no idea how the fans feel. He thinks that the dire performances are acceptable. To then, on the top of that context, in this situation where you've failed to win again, you're seven games in a row where you haven't won in the league. He then thinks this is a good idea to start winding the fans up and saying that historically, actually, you should be happy with what you're getting. <laughs> I, I, I would give him one thing. I don't think he's done it deliberately to wind people up and cause trouble because he said that to us in that meeting we had. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those sort of stock phrases he's got in it's the back of his mind. It's a PR exercise, isn't he? He's trying it to give is. himself yeah. time. But, yeah. but know your context. Do mm. that, you know, and what, we're going to go to, we're going to go to Mr. Hurst. And Paul Hurst knew when to kind of poke the fans. Remember yep. when he talked about the fans that they weren't, you know, weren't being loud enough? He did that from a position of strength. Mm. And you got to you got to be in a position of strength when you come out and say something that's going to be controversial. Losing to Rochdale 
away from home against a terrible team is not a position of strength and it is not the moment to start reminding people about the history when you when you win 2-0 at home and you batter a team that's when you go we're making progress we're trying to beat the odds and we're trying to create a history here where we're going to be better than we have mm. in the last 10 years when you've just lost to lost to Rochdale 1-0 <laughs> and you and you don't you hardly ever score that is not the time. Do you understand what I'm coming? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I it's totally not the time yeah, to start picking, picking and giving fans ammunition to get annoyed and for us to get annoyed. Yeah, I do agree with you, Ollie. I think you're completely right. Context is, is a wonderful thing. And this is a football club that at the same time that we strengthened, moved to a new stadium, have no debt, money in the bank. Many football clubs have gone to the wall or are really struggling and have disappeared out of the Football League. We've enhanced our reputation. There's no reason why Shrewsbury Town fans shouldn't have more of an ambition to be more than a yo-yo League 1, League 2 club or even a League 2 club like we were for years. Those days to me are gone. You know, it's not about it's not about you know where we were. It's about where we are now and where this football club could be, and it could be a Championship club one day if everything went right. That's my context. So I don't I don't want to hear. Oh well, you were elite, you were in the conference 10, 15 years ago, whatever. It doesn't mean anything. That club's different. It was a gay meadow. It had money problems. We had a series of poor managers. We struggled and battled to keep ourselves alive. That isn't true Grand football club anymore. It is the thing he described on TV last week. And if he's going to say that, he's got to kind of understand that the context and the expectation is different to what it's been from the eighties and the nineties. That's my view of it. Well, the 80s- was actually better, but I get yeah from the nineties, well, you know I mean. the content yeah, period, yeah. Sorry. all that kind yeah. of stuff. The history he's referring to, yes, we can understand it, but don't point it out. Not when your <laughs> team's failing and and your team's failing to score on a regular basis. Um, and he's got some good tools there to work with. So yeah, it's um, oh man, it's um, frustrating and it'd be interesting to see how this one rolls out and how how um, how he and the club respond to to that. It's, gone down. it's a bit of a car crash interview, to be honest. Gone down badly, hasn't it? We're, yeah. we're only reflecting that. I mean, just reading social media and and getting a good view from Blue and Amber not many people were really about impressed with that particular comment and I'm sure it, I'm sure it's just something he said because it's one of those stock phrases he's got there but sometimes you know as a man and he's obviously really angry and frustrated from that interview that's the most depressed sounding I'd sound his interview Ollie he was really really down um, but he didn't need to a... talk about anything else he could have just focused on that game yeah we should have won we do that we'll work on it we're going to try and you know try and do something but I don't know is he not talking about solutions because he just hasn't got any solutions or he doesn't want to change his approach <laughs> Ollie. Who knows? We'll find out if he's got any solutions to our league form. Um, it's going to be a tale of that, isn't it? But I don't know. Let's, can we leave that week there, Ollie? Because it was bollocks, so. to be honest with you. Well, we I haven't don't quite want to talk finished. We've got to talk about the transfer window. Yes, we'll leave the football action. We haven't done our top on three, to... but let's. No, I can't be bothered. Uh, let's just move on. Do you know on. what? Let's you. We both went McElhaney. We both went Edwards, and I went Goldborn. You went Laurent. Done. <laughs> let's let's leave it there and move on to uh, the Salop news. Here it comes. Right footed towards the far post. Morris is in there, and it's there. It's there. It's Stephen Payne! Incredible! The 10 men! It's stoppage time! Payne hammers it gloriously into the roof of the net! Would you believe it? The League One leaders! They just do not give up! So, transfer window closed. Slightly disastrous if you ask me, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Outgoings during this window. John Lewis, uh, obviously released. Ryan Giles recalled and got off to Coventry. Bloody Nora, that's not great. Um, Anthony Grant was sort of undisclosed off to Swindon. Luke McCormack and Louis Thompson were recalled. Um, main Fanny, he had his contract terminated due to family problems. And then on the last day, we sold Faye to Doncaster for an undisclosed fee. So that was seven outgoings, Ollie. But only five incomings. Um, Sam Hart, who we just talked about in the last game from Blackburn on loan. Josh Vella, who we've not seen yet on a two and a half year deal. Connor McElhaney, um, good debut in on loan. Kane Ramsey uh, from Southampton on loan and Harry Burgoyne from Wolves on a six-month permanent deal, uh, well, until the end of the summer. So, Ollie, 
before we get into the details of some of these players, what's your overall rating out of 10 for the transfer window? Four. Four. It's not been great, has it, to be honest with you? It feels like that Paul Hurst one that cost us promotion. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> what's your rating? I, probably a four or five, yeah, something yeah. like that, about half. There's obviously a bit I mean, of context around. For me, there's two players that are going to change it. That's Vela. Uh, McClaney is going to have a big. Uh, McClaney is going to have a big um, impact on, like, be, uh, kind of reflecting on it. Uh, but I think you know your gut feel, and me, my gut feel was it wasn't great because okay, we saw, signed Hart, which was fine. Okay, sub sub left wing back, that's great. Mm. And then we just then we in, then we on the face of it, and from a squad numbers point of view, reinforced areas that didn't need reinforcing. So we got another central midfielder when we got loads of midfielders. We got a central defender slope right and right back when we've got loads of players who can play in both those two positions and Sears who we want to see. Yep. And then we sign a third choice goalkeeper. <laughs> Mad. <laughs> so so our, our number so what was our number one from a fan's point of view, Glenn? What was your number one aim and what was the kind of the, the what was the objective of the transfer window? For me it was about goals, but yeah, it's about goals and a creative player. And maybe McElhaney is that player. We have to give him a chance to settle down. And I think that might work out to be a good deal. But there, there was also the argument that we were missing a, a strong, robust centre-forward. We probably were missing that player against Rochdale, to be honest with you. Um, someone to, to really be that, that physicality and, and, and bully defenders. We still don't have that, Ollie at all. Lang's a tricky, clever player. He's, he's physical, but he's not that kind of player. Obviously, Red Morrison, they've not really replaced him. So we're still missing that. And you do wonder whether that was one of the targets we missed out on. But the weirdest thing is, obviously, we, we talk about players we missed out on, but we clearly were going for Doherty. You know, they, they talked about missing out on him. And it would have been, and it, the player we were looking at on the last day of the season was another central midfielder. So we would have just had hundreds of them, even if Doherty had come in. So the whole strategy felt a bit scattergun this window. I mean, we've lost two regulars, Giles and Faye, I suppose semi regular. And we've got one regular, from what I can see, which is McElhaney. So this, the team doesn't feel any stronger than what it was before the start of the window to me. No, I guess one positive just to mention is we obviously kept Laurent on Norburn. And there was risk yeah, that's we what... lose them. Totally. Uh, yeah, so that was a positive. And yeah, so we've kind of talked about the players a little bit. Again, um, there was obviously quite a bit of discussion. And, and one of my favourite topics is, like I read this amazing article about um, Brentford. Um, Brentford B um, on The Athletic. And it's a really amazing... Um, I've sent it to you, haven't I, Glenn, as a PDF? You've got to have a read of it. I still haven't read it yet. Yeah, it's a big read. It's a big read. So, But it's just a very <laughs> sum, in quick summary. Basically, Brentford decided that there's no point in having a youth system because where they are in London, they're not going to be able to attract players. They're going to go to Chelsea. They're going to go to other clubs. So they thought there's no point in investing in it. And also, the, the rules that the EFL have done and signed up to means that the Premier League can just basically just strip any good player from a from a football league team. So another yeah, disastrous negotiation. So basically Brentford have done is they've realised that most players who have ability get released when they're 17. So what they've done is they created Brentford B. And what Brentford B is basically um, a collection of players from the age of 17 to 21, 22 that have been rejected by other academies. And what they do is they get they play them competitive games and basically they create a bit of a squad a like a club culture around the team, but also they train together in the, in the same place as the A team the, and the first team. And when they mingle, they, they're treated with respect. And they've also got this really cool board. So anyone that makes it from the B team into the A team, to the first team, goes on this board. So they're really proud of the structure. So Brentford, and the reason why I mention all this, is Brentford really believe in um, using football analysis and for recruitment, which we don't do anymore. And Brentford, and that currently, or Last time I checked, they were third in the championship. And since yep. 2014, they've made over £100 million from player sales. Yep. Yep. So they are the perfect example of having a recruitment analyst and having that kind of 
that kind of approach to football. And what we do, we've got rid of that. From all and from Paul Rick, um, Paul Rick, from Sam Ricketts quotes, he says we don't need analysts. That's not the way we do things, and that's why we've been a bit cheeky talking about fighter faxes. Mm. Yeah, and has I mean, it, it contributed? Like a... Has that contributed to all this poor January transfer window? We don't I, know. I can't. I, I can't imagine uh, an analyst who was focused on recruitment leaving a couple of weeks or month, a month before the transfer window. Is has helped us in this window. Let's was he even listened to it. before? Why is he left? You don't. You, you normally leave jobs because either you get on a better opportunity or you're frustrated in your job you have. I also think it comes down to the fact that really, you know, we could talk about how much the club's moved on, but money talks. You know, Ryan Giles going out to Coventry is the kicker in it. That's the one that makes you think, what the bloody hell? There's only there can only be two reasons for that. One, Ryan Giles personally thinks it'd be much more fun to go and play in a promotion team. Or two, either Ryan Giles or Wolves did not want to come back and play for get, get, come back and play for Sam Ricketts in this formation. Which is a bit weird. It's potentially a third one as well that they paid well, more for a fee. But, sorry, and sorry, I did yeah. mention money. Sorry, yeah. yeah, sorry, I should have said that as well. And yeah, they probably have paid more for a fee, and Hibernian have probably paid more for a fee for Doherty. So we can't get those players if we don't have the money, and it does it does leave us again wondering about. We've had this good cut run. <laughs> are we just are we just buying GPS vests and some drainage for the pitch? Is that the height of our ambitions? It would have been nice to try and go and get that one player that might be able to turn the season round in the league, but. I get the feeling that really everyone's just content to not get relegated this season and never go again next year. I, that's how I feel as a fan at the moment. Yeah, and I think maybe it's worth kind of pointing as well because I think sometimes like when you talk about recruitments and stuff, it maybe kind of gets lost. Um, your message kind of gets lost and people kind of think, well, you think that you should only use analysts? No. For me, the best way of describing using recruitment analysts is it's like, it's like I don't know, someone trying to do their accounts and not using Excel and trying to do it on paper. <laughs> um, it, it's a... it's something that you use in partnership with scouting, you know, basically and it widens your pool. So basically you have an opportunity using data to look at all the players in the in the football league and the conference and even abroad simply by looking at your desk and using tools and data to identify players. Then you go and scout them. Then you go and find out about their character traits. It doesn't replace scouting. It just enhances it and makes it more efficient. And mm. it just widens the pool of players you might find. That's for me is... A concern mm. that we're not doing that anymore. It'd be nice to, to get another interview with Brian and ask him about some of this stuff and what's actually changed in terms of our approach. Wouldn't After it? this podcast, will we be welcome back? <laughs> well, I don't. I'm so. joking, I mean, I'm Brian, joking. I don't I'm even joking. think. I, I think if Brian listens to this, he don't think he'd think we're being an un, 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 unneedlessly harsh. You know, it's not like this is a ricketts out and everybody's you know kind of follow suit because I don't think that really happens anyway. But you know, I think we've been fairly even-handed. You can't be any even-handed about this week other than to say it was crap. And I think even Brian would admit that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting to get some answers and maybe we, we will get a chance one day down the line but um, yeah it's interesting I mean when you look at the five that came in uh, Harry Burgoyne one's an interesting one for me obviously stated that he's been brought in to have a look at him this this you know next six months with the you know likelihood of him you know trying to earn a contract for next year which is interesting because obviously Max will go back and we'll never see him again much like Dean Anderson and there's no way Joe Murphy's going to be here another year you suspect because he's old and he's not going to be our first choice goalkeeper so you know it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if we if we come out of the cup and we're safe from relegation that we just stop playing Max O'Leary and actually give Harry Burgoyne a go I can see that happening Ollie I can see him getting games this season yeah and we always yeah you have always we, we never one thing was clear we haven't actually judged any of the players because you can't judge any of the players until you see no, them play. No, no. Um, so, well, Sam Hart's been a bit weak, and McElhaney's it's been only good. A the of games, I've got it? Initial judgments on, yeah, yeah. This oh, without go without doing my normal thing and mentioning Premier League players and things like that. There's lots of players, obviously, if you know, haven't started particularly well, but become really good um, later yeah. on. Yeah. 
Okay, well, that's the window. I, I, I remember, I've just noticed that actually in the, in the last few podcasts we've forgotten to do predictions. We've missed a couple of weeks we out. <laughs> we got so excited well, in the Liverpool game that we didn't do predictions. But oh well. before, before we get to MK Dons, Ollie, we need to have a bit of a rant, don't we, about a certain club from the North oh, Because, I mean, this whole thing with Liverpool, right? So obviously we, we, we did do this the context, massively... Yeah. Yeah, we did this massively positive podcast last week, and we did mention at the end of it the negatives of what what Klopp said about only playing the youth team against us, right? Fine. Well, that was where it was last week. And since then, it's cost us a ton of money in reduced ticket sale prices. It's cost us a ton of money in it not getting selected for TV and Liverpool being intransigent and not moving the game till Wednesday. That's cost us... Enough. So, you know, this this million-pound thing that they said on BT Sport... Uh, oh, sorry, on the BBC coverage, we ain't going to make a million-pound out of this game. We'll be lucky to make 200, 300 grand. Yeah. And that's coming from a couple of Football League chairmen have commented yeah, on that. Yeah, the Peterborough chairman guys- said that um, we've we've probably cost us 700k. Unbelievable. Then they wouldn't sell any tickets to their football ground. Now, initially, I was quite annoyed about that, but it turns out that their ticketing arrangements at Anfield are an absolute shambles and make our ticket office look like world-class professionals. So, fair enough on that one, I guess. But still, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great thing for them, was it? And then to cap it all off, on their official announcement of their fixtures for February, they put the fucking clip art badge on there, Ollie. And that, that's it. You can you can draw a line in the sand at certain points, but <laughs> once you start using the clip art line, you can you can't go back, Ollie. <laughs> no, for me, it just symbolises the the. I understand that football clubs and you know, businesses and football clubs and stuff focus on themselves. But the idea that Liverpool are this great community club is just... A, if, there was, if there was any doubt left, there's absolutely... No, it's just completely well, shattered. Like The way Klopp came out and basically took all the limelight away from Shrewsbury onto himself. And you did mention about the ticket prices were, had to be reduced. So they were yep. agreed before the game that to be reduced because of Klopp's comments. And then probably we're not even going to get as many... I bet as many Shrewsbury Town fans are not going to go. We've only sold 5,000. We've only sold 5,000. Yeah, exactly. I can't go. I literally just can't get out of work. And and I'm not, I don't know, I genuinely don't know if this, I feel this way because one, I'm annoyed of Liverpool, really tainted my view of them as a club. Um, I can't go. But how I feel right now, I'm not actually that bothered. I've been to Anfield before, I've seen Klopp's team play in Germany and stuff. We're not playing, let's be clear, we're not playing Liverpool. We're playing Liverpool's under twenty three team in every. In, we might as well play not Anfield and play at play at their training ground or something because <laughs> it's so disrespectful that the way that the one that they're there and it's not sometimes about what you do, is it, Grant? It's sometimes how you do it and their apathy and their disrespect to Shrewsbury Town and fellow League One teams has just been highlighted and their greed and their obsession with just. It just kind of insinuates everything, you know, the, the the rules about player recruitment, the way that they treat the EFL and the, and the teams, the way they talk about... Um, the re- FA. FA. Yeah, the replays. And there's also this nonsense. Yeah, Klopp's talking about players playing too many games. And maybe Klopp is... He really does believe that. But come on, guys. If you... If you can't, so let's go... They got rid of the FA Cup and the League Cup. They're not going to play less games. They're going to be playing friendlies in Dubai. No, they're pre-season. They went to two continents. Mm. The irony of that... Uh, it's interesting, Ollie, because to me, I'm surprised our football club haven't made a bit more noise about the disrespect. But Maybe we've I, I got do, some I money for it. I do get the feeling, yeah, I get the feeling that Liverpool have bought us off. The reduced ticket prices are good for their fans, but they're probably going to pay us the extra that Maybe. we would have got. I, I honestly think that's what's going to happen, and we'll only ever find out in the accounts. I'd love true. to ask Brian, am I right yeah. to be annoyed? Uh, well, I'm, I, I am. I'm annoyed about the clip art badge, and there's nothing that they can do about that. Um, but, they deleted yeah, it quite quickly, didn't they? <laughs> they did, didn't they? When everyone pointed out. But yeah, I, I guess that um, it, it's going to be an interesting one. I mean, the pressure on this game on us is much more now. I think because everyone expects us to go to Anfield and win. Now, can you imagine our players going there with that? There is that expectation that we're playing a youth team that 
were did very poorly in the Czech Trade Trophy against football league teams, some of which are worse than us. Um, you know, there's an expectation that we should really go there, win, and go and get a, a draw against Chelsea. Liverpool fans are all saying, you know, oh yeah, well you've got the chance to go and win now. It, I think it's made it a more hard game for us in some respects. Not harder than playing Liverpool's first team, if that makes sense. But oh, I don't know. It changes it, the mentality I, going into the game. It feels a little bit like the Lincoln, uh, um, the Lincoln game in the in the trophy where. Everyone expected us to go and play a showpiece game and beat a League Two team, and we found a way to do it, and and it ended up being one of the more depressing experiences as a Shrewsbury Town fan. Go in town for a losing to their youth team. Don't. I'm not going to mix my words. I'll be fuming. I'll be fuming if we lose to them because it will just be a huge disappointment. The whole thing will feel like an absolute damp squib. And as much as we might have chanted and sang and really done well at Anfield, it'll be utterly irrelevant if we lose to a bunch of kids. Yeah. And this is a first team League One. Proper team it shouldn't shouldn't really happen, Ollie. Yeah, it's, I'm just it's just just yeah. I used to really I genuinely would I was genuinely happy that Liverpool were going to win the league. I liked the story. I liked Klopp. I think he's a great leader. Um, but the way that they've handled themselves this week just mm. just 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 they, yeah. It's, it's they are a livid. community club, Ollie. But they're, they're only not. Oh, come on, care, no, they're a community club about their own community. No, but they're not. They no, only but care not. about people. But they're not. Pool. They've increased their the attendance of their ground and haven't given any season tickets, any extra season tickets to their fans. They've increased no, the tourists. They're a myth. They use their they use their their, their, their PA announcer with a Scouse <laughs> accent and all these kind of things to cover. Um, basically, but all they're all about is about money. So it's for me. It's they're doing a fantastic PR exercise. Mm. Um, to make them look like they're this kind of great club, but they're not. They're just a classic top top six club, owned by foreigners, and they're effectively just a franchise now. And if these guys move and create a European Super League and they leave English football, I'd actually be really happy because then we can maybe restructure I, I, the league in a more balanced, fair way. I'm reaching the point where I couldn't give a damn if there was a European Super League. No. Get rid of these teams. I'm, they don't care about any of the rest of the football league. It's funny. A lot of league fans were saying, a lot of Shooter Town fans saying, I can't wait for League One football and get back into our little bubble of um, yeah, community football and supporting your local team. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that after this week. No, but... but you know what I mean? That's what they were saying before the <laughs> no, junior game kicked off. I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a good community game again, you know, and... and... Yeah, I don't know. The, the, the atmosphere, the Liverpool fans, uh, the away game showed me that there's not much of community for away fans. It must have just been a disparate bunch of people because the atmosphere was terrible, wasn't it? Anyway, we're getting we're getting sidetracked by this. You know, we're not happy. Um, the the hilarious thing would be if the only domestic team that they didn't beat this season was Shrewsbury Town. <laughs> that would be amazing because obviously they lost to Villa, didn't they? The youth team, but obviously they beat Villa. But, but in the, the Liverpool fans so... then argue it's not actually the Liverpool's team; it's actually doesn't matter. That's what it's saying. Both sheet. ways. That's what I'm basing <laughs> point. Uh, so anyway, I don't know what the hell's going to happen. I can't even predict that game. I've no I no idea what I think. I, d- I don't know. I think I think we should win, but I, I could see us losing to be honest. So we're not predicting that one anyway. Let's get back to some normal stuff. Yeah. I'll be More watching. Concerning. I'll be following the game on Twitter in some posh, oh, hot- posh, you, posh restaurant in London somewhere. Um, I'll be following you and Lewis Cox on Twitter. So yeah, I'm sure there'll be. A, I, yeah, I've got no idea what's going to happen. I won't have any idea what's going on. We're behind the goal in the Anfield Road end, which if you're far enough up the stand, is like a letterbox. I'm, I'm going to be able to see bloody anything. I can't. I'm always always terrible behind the goal. So. Don't expect any accurate updates off me, Ollie. I'll just be <laughs> reporting on what the atmosphere is like. But anyway, next Saturday, something infinitely, probably more important in some respects, is uh, trying to stop this bad league run at home to MK Dons, who are pretty awful as well, Ollie, to be honest with you. They're still below us, aren't they? Um, but their transfer window was half decent. Obviously, they got Carlton Morris in and they, they signed a couple of other players from what I was reading. So. 
concerning that they might be on an upward trajectory when we're currently on a downward one, particularly if we've lost to bloody Liverpool's youth. Yeah, so, but they're doing they're on a good run. So are, yeah. okay, well the last two games good results. So they beat um, Rochdale two one at home, um, and they beat Wickham um, two 0 um, on the weekend, which is a fantastic result. I'm loving seeing um, Wickham um, <laughs> fall down the league from all the abuse I got. Um, so yeah, um, they, they as you say, you know they've improved their squad. Um, and I can't see anything but a Shrewsbury Town defeat on Saturday. Oh, Holly, don't do it! Because well, even if we eight. beat, even if we beat Liverpool on Tuesday, there's absolutely no way we're going to win following that because all the players will be back to their normal. Oh, it's the League One; we can't be asked. Mm. There is a stat saying that under Ricketts, the games before and after big cup games, we've been terrible in. So you, you statistically probably got some something to back you up there. I'm going to go for us to not win. I'm going to go for us to draw. 1-1. Yeah, I was going to say 1-1. One, one, binary numbers going. Um, but I'm in a negative I place. I think I might need to lie down after this. Um, I'm glad we've done this early because I can get this out. I'm, I've got this out my sister now. I can go and enjoy my Sunday afternoon. Yeah, take the dog for a walk, I think. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. We'll leave it there. We'll see if our negative predictions come true. Fingers crossed for a good week. So it's been an interesting podcast, Glenn. Um, yeah, mm. please, guys, let us know what you think. You know, have we, are we are we bang on the money? Do you agree with what we've been saying? Do you agree with you know our criticism of Sam Ricketts' comments, or do you think we're being too harsh? Love to hear everyone's thoughts. Um, yeah, same for yeah. Apologies for those we haven't mentioned so many tweets. Where it's been a long pod. Um, yeah. Maybe we can come back to them um, in the next few weeks when it quiets down a little bit and the season's over. <laughs> I think it, I would also, when people listen to this podcast, is that context is just as important to what Ricketts was saying about context. Is that <clears throat> you don't just. I wish people would. I, I would hope no one ever takes one podcast we do as the only single viewpoint we ever had. You know, if you go back and listen to podcasts over the course of this season, we've been able to chart that up and down all the way through and kind of continue to kind of follow that pattern I think and um, yeah they were both in a very negative place about league form I'm still quite excited about the fact we could go and play Chelsea at, at their place that would be a fantastic moment for the football club but I do know that really as a pure Shrewsbury Town fan that attends it week in week out that the league is my bread and butter and really I do want to see some improvements there and, and I'm not ruling out that they could happen Ollie and I'm sure you aren't either yeah it's it's yeah. The next few weeks are be interesting. We've got obviously, you know, a, a, an interesting run of fixtures. Um, whether we can get anything from them, who will be, who know. Um, I've just, I think there's a there's an overwhelming kind of feeling um, I'm getting from Shrewsbury Town fans that this season is just going to deteriorate into a damp squid. Um, so we've got Liverpool, MK Dons, Accrington Stanley, and then Portsmouth, who are really flying. Um, God. So and then then after that Doncaster again, then Tranmere, then Bristol Rovers, um, and then Oxford. Tranmere is the one, isn't it? Coventry, Jesus. Blackpool, Wickham. So by the time we get to Wickham, there's quite a few tough games in there. I don't think any any game is good. Is you know is a foregone conclusion. Um, when we play Wickham, I was really hoping we'd be close to Wickham by the time we come to play them, but our, our results aren't good enough for that to happen. I don't think. Nah, nah. We'll see, we'll see. As we said, we try try and wrap this one up now. Yeah, long pod. We appreciate everyone that's had a listen. Um, I'm sure that it's uh, got a few people engaged, like you said. And yeah, I will be at Liverpool and I'm going to be at the home game next week and I'm sure you'll be at the home game and we shall catch you next Sunday. Cheers, guys. Oh!